Happy Monday. Welcome to 751. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm going to talk to you today about the sexual assault allegations that are against uh, Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. I'm sure over the weekend, many of you have seen a lot of the, the things that have come out starting with last Thursday. So uh, some quick background here. Last Thursday, Dianne Feinstein, uh, Democratic senator from California, released this sort of cryptic statement that she'd received uh, in information, this is a quote, information from an individual concerning the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. Now, this person wanted to remain anonymous, and uh, Feinstein said she was uh, referring the matter to the FBI. Now, officials uh, said to the New York Times that the incident involved possible sexual misconduct with a woman. So it was a very cryptic statement it was anonymous, and Feinstein referred it to the FBI. So what we know now is the, the identity of this woman has come forward. Her name is Christine uh, Blasey, or Blasey, I'm not sure how to say that, Christine Blasey Ford. She's a 51-year-old biostatistician and psychologist at Palo Alto University. She also teaches at Stanford. And, you know, I, I did some quick looking up uh, Look, look, looked her up online quickly, and she's prolific, written a lot of technical papers, a lot of interesting papers, some some that seem uh, a little bit odd, but some that you know seem pretty technical. She seems like a smart, prolific person, so not not a crazy individual here. So before we dive into this a little bit, I want to go through, there's been a lot that's been, been coming out, and some contradictory information at different times. So we're going to talk about how to, what kind of conclusion you can draw from all of this and how to judge both Brett Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey Ford, if, if you can judge them. So let me walk through what information is out there as of today. Again, today is, is Monday, September 17th. So let's walk through this chronologically. The first time we heard of any anything or the first evidence of anything is in 2012 Ford was at couples therapy with her husband Russell Ford and according to session notes which were apparently handed over by Ford to the Washington Post now I haven't seen them I haven't seen them online yet maybe they'll be posted eventually but the Washington Post has seen them and according to these session notes she describes a rape attempt and she says, back from when she was in high school, and she says that four boys were involved. She doesn't mention Kavanaugh by name, but she does say that people involved were are, were now highly respected and high-ranking members of society in Washington. Now, when she was saying this to her therapist in 2012, Kavanaugh was a D.C. Circuit judge, obviously in Washington at the time. So... The other piece of evidence we have, the next piece of evidence, is a year later, so presumably 2013, in an individual therapy session, again, Washington Post has these notes from this session, apparently there's a reference to a rape attempt, a rape attempt in her late teens, and she says she was uh, being treated, it says she was being treated for, for long-term effects, she said she was having long-term effects uh, of the incident, and that's what she was being treated for. Now, before I, I jump to 2018, which is the next time there's any evidence, I do want to say 
look, just as an empathetic individual, if this woman was was sexually assaulted by Kavanaugh or anyone else, we should have empathy for her. That's a horrible experience to go through, and it sounds like she was getting therapy, which is the right thing to do. But we shouldn't minimize her experience. If she did experience uh, attempted rape, that's, that's a traumatic event, and uh, we shouldn't belittle that. So anyway, so in 2012, <clears throat> couples therapy, there's some session notes. In 2013, individual therapy, there's some session notes. The next piece of evidence comes in July 2018. Now, after Kavanaugh had been put on the short list of nominations for being a Supreme Court justice, uh, Ford sent, she sent this letter to Anna Ishu, who is her Democratic representative in Palo Alto, where she lives. And her representative sent it on to Diane Feinstein, and that's the anonymous letter that Feinstein was referring to uh, last Thursday. And we haven't seen the letter, but apparently the letter was sent back in July 2018 and then forwarded on to Feinstein. So interestingly enough, right, so there were several months passed. Feinstein didn't talk about this letter until September 13th. So from July until September, the whoever had it, assume, presumably Feinstein had it, it's not clear when... Uh, Anna Ishu, or Eshu, I'm not sure how, how to pronounce her name. It's not clear when she forwarded it to Feinstein, but regardless, one of one or both of them had it for several months without saying anything about it. And then on Thursday, of course, after the effort by the Democrats to derail Kavanaugh's confirmation or to oppose it successfully, they uh, after those those efforts appeared to have failed. Feinstein then references this letter publicly and says she's turning it over to the FBI. Now, authorities, I guess, have decided to not pursue this matter. Now, the main reason that authorities don't pursue matters is it's typically because they don't think there's enough evidence to convict. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means there's not enough evidence for them to convict, and so it, it will be a waste of resources to try. Okay, so... The allegations here were at first very vague, but now more has come out over the weekend, uh, and especially since since uh, this woman, Christine uh, Blasey Ford, identified herself, more has come out. So a little bit of background. Brett Kavanaugh went to Georgetown Prep, which is an all-boys preparatory school, presumably in Georgetown. And Ford went to the Holton Arms School in Bethesda, which at the time was an all-girls school. Now, according to Ford, in a summer in the early 1980s, she thinks it's probably 1982, but she's not sure about that. Uh, if it was 82, that would make her 15 and Kavanaugh 17. She says, During this summer, there was a, quote, gathering of high school kids at someone's house. Now, she doesn't remember whose house it was, or how she got there, or how she got home. Uh... There are a bunch of people drinking there, as we'll see in a minute. I think we can rightly say gathering is code word for party. So there's a bunch of high school kids getting drunk at a party at someone's house while their parents were away. And she was there, and Kavanaugh was there, supposedly. Now, allegedly at the party, she says, Kavanaugh and his friend, his friend's name is Mark Judge, <clears throat> they were both, quote, stumbling drunk. And they kind of <clears throat> pushed her into this bedroom, uh during the party or got her to get into this bedroom during a party. And while Judge uh, watched, while, while Mark Judge watched, 
Kavanaugh allegedly pinned her to the bed and groped her over her clothes and then attempted to take off her one-piece bathing suit. And she says when she tried to scream, Kavanaugh put his hand over her mouth, and she says that both boys were laughing maniacally. Okay? And she was finally able to escape. She didn't get raped, and I guess it didn't get any further than that, but she said she was able to escape when Mark Judge jumped on top of them, and I guess they all kind of fell off the bed or whatever, and and she ran, locked herself in a bathroom, and left later. So that's the incident as she is now describing it a little more detail. So now we know some more about about the, the accusations. Now, the reactions to this, first, Kavanaugh, his statement is, I categorically and unequivocally deny this allegation. I did not do this back in high school or at any time. So he's saying I didn't do it. Now, there have been a lot of criticisms here because the accuser was anonymous. Now, presumably those will go away now that she's known. But originally, there were a lot of criticisms that this accuser was anonymous. And so people stepped up to try and be character witnesses because there actually wasn't a lot of detail given originally about what the incident was. So it was hard to defend against. So people uh, went out and tried to vouch for Brett Kavanaugh's character. And Mike Judge, the person who was allegedly in the room laughing maniacally watching this, his response was, quote, it's just absolutely nuts. I never saw Brett act that way. Now, he then described Kavanaugh to the New York Times as a brilliant student who loved sports and was not, quote, into anything crazy or illegal. Uh, In addition, I guess someone went and found women who knew Kavanaugh at the time in high school and got 65 of them to sign a letter that says, through the more than 35 years we have known him, Brett has stood out for his friendship, character, and integrity. In particular, he's always treated women with decency and respect. That was true when he was in high school, and it has remained true to this day. So, uh, so you know, the, the Republican side or the Kavanaugh side went out and, and corralled up some character witnesses to try and debunk the concept that this is something that he would have done in high school. Now, on the character witness side, though, there are a couple, maybe, flaws in the character witnesses. Uh, one is that Mark Judge, this guy who said, you know, uh, Brett wasn't into anything crazy or illegal, and this is nuts, and he, I've never seen Brett act that way. Uh, Mark Judge wrote a book in 1997, and the title of that book is Wasted, Tales of a Gen X Sorry, Tales of a Gen X Drunk. Yeah, Wasted, Tales of a Gen X Drunk. <clears throat> uh, and in this book apparently describes his own blackout drinking and a culture of partying among students at his high school. Now, Kavanaugh, I guess, is technically not mentioned in the book, but it's kind of mentioned in the book. There's a, there's a character in the book called Bart O'Kavanaugh. Now, he changed the name of his high school, so changing the name of uh, people slightly is, isn't abnormal apparently for for how he wrote this book so there's a there's a character in the book called bart o'kavanaugh who quote puked in someone's car the other night and quote passed out on his way back from a party so that indicates that you know maybe kavanaugh was a little bit of a partier in high school uh further in his yearbook kavanaugh does list himself as treasurer treasurer of the keg city club 100 kegs or bust and he references beach week ralph club uh, Ralph, uh, presumably, I don't know if the younger generation knows this, but Ralph was, at least when I grew up, a euphemism for puking. So, 
maybe it still is. Uh, you know, he was on the basketball team, the football team, his part of the school newspaper, and he had a childhood friend recently describe him as more mature than the rest of us. He was always the guy who was going home to do his homework. So there's obviously some contradictions here. In the one case, he's he's the guy who's, you know, always going home to do his homework, would never do those kind of things, doesn't drink, whatever. Uh, on the other hand, he lists himself as treasurer of the Keg City Club. His friend writes this book, uh, <laughs> Tales of a Gen X Drunk, uh, and describes him as puking in a car and passing out uh, after a party. So, you know, what's the truth about Kavanaugh? Was he studious? Mostly, but partied a couple times. Was he a partier and everyone's covering for him? I don't know. But those are the character. That's the kind of character witnesses that came out and then some of the the perhaps character flaws that have, have been alluded to since then. So, so let's look at Christine Blasey Ford. Now, a lot of people pointed out she appears to be a Democrat, a liberal Democrat. Okay. Uh, I think... The answer to that is, so what? A lot of people are liberal Democrats. That doesn't mean it's true or false. It it might mean there's a potential motive if it was false, but we'll never know anyone's motive in their head, so it doesn't really matter. So there were a couple discrepancies in what she said as well, and when she came out and identified herself publicly, she uh, started to address these discrepancies. And the first discrepancy was that the therapist notes from 2012 said that there was four boys involved. And, of course, her story is that it's just Judge and Kavanaugh. So she says, well, that's an error on the therapist's part. He, he made an incorrect, he or she made wrong notes. And Ford's, therap- Ford's uh, husband, Russell Ford, who was at the, the session, because this was couples therapy in 2012, he says uh, she said there was only two boys, not four, and the therapist was wrong, and he remembers that. And he says that she used Kavanaugh's name in the session, but the therapist didn't record it. So, so that's how she's uh, addressing that discrepancy. She is also addressing this issue of, you know, why didn't you come forward? Of course, people said, well, why, did you, why are you coming forward now, right? Why not 35 years ago? And she says, well, you know, I didn't tell anyone at the time. I was terrified. I'd be in trouble if my parents realized I was at a party where people were drinking. Um, frankly, she was probably drinking as well. We can't, you know, we can guess. We don't know. But high school or at a party where people are drunk, probably also drinking. Uh, she says that years later, after she was going through uh, psychotherapy, she realized that this incident was a big trauma and was having an impact on her life and she claims it it quote derailed me substantially for four or five years Uh, and she claims that she struggled academically and socially and and blah 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 so she says hey this was a this was a big deal to me this this attempted rape now i don't know i've never uh, been in a situation like that but uh it appears to have impacted her quite severely and the other thing that she did, which people are, are talking about, is, is she passed a polygraph, which was administered by a former FBI agent, recalling, recalling her story. So so that's, that's where we are in terms of the facts and what's happened. Now, what, what are we to believe from all of this? Because <clears throat> that's the big question, and obviously each side has their own narrative, right? The Kavanaugh supporters are saying he would never do this, she's just a lying whatever she's doing this all to be political 
Feinstein waited to be political. This is all made up. You guys lost. You, you're not able to stop him, and this is an 11th hour attempt to do that. And of course, the other side is saying, uh, no, he really, he really did this, and this is not the kind of person we want on the Supreme Court. So a couple things. Let's go through some of this evidence. There's only really two, two types of evidence. One is there's a polygraph. Now, the question here is, are polygraphs proof? And should we really take them seriously? And the answer is actually no. Polygraphs are pretty useless. So uh, Aldrich Ames, who was a famous spy, was eventually caught, but uh, he's a convicted spy. He famously defeated the counterintelligence polygraph examination. And he's actually written about polygraphs since then from jail. Uh, I'll actually link to, to one of his comments or short emails about polygraphs uh, below in the show notes. But to, just to quote one sentence of his, he says, Like most junk science that just won't die, graphology, astrology, and homeopathy come to mind. Because of the usefulness or profit their practitioners enjoy, the polygraph stays with us. So he's claiming, look, polygraphs. And he's not the only one. He's just uh, someone that I thought was worth quoting because he he's beaten polygraphs before and is considered uh, someone who, you know, somewhat of an authority on them. So polygraphs, we can't really, the polygraph doesn't really mean anything. It's not like a photograph, right? It's not, it's not proof. So the second, second question we have is, are witnesses proof? Because, of course, Kavanaugh has witnesses, or at least one, who says this didn't happen, right? And, and she herself is a witness, and Kavanaugh is a witness. So I guess there's three, right? And there's one independent witness, supposedly independent witness. Now, look, witness memory is notoriously unreliable. And this is why prosecutors don't rely on it. It's, it's probably why the authorities decided to not move forward with this case when Feinstein referred them to this, because all they really have is some accusations it's just witness testimony and witnesses testimony is just a mess it's it's unreliable i mean even she uh even she couldn't remember how she got to the party exactly what year it was where it was blah 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 it, let's say she was drinking a little bit maybe she wasn't right she probably wouldn't say if she was or not because it would hurt her story but um you know she's not gonna have the greatest recollection and certainly if kavanaugh and judge were drinking they're not gonna remember a thing so especially if they're drinking heavily. So witness proof generally, you know, memory is notoriously bad and witnesses are, are generally easy to manipulate and convince themselves of things that they can self-manipulate or they can convince themselves of things that just aren't true. So especially in therapy, you can have, you know, imaginary things can just start happening. You can rewrite narratives in your head. And, and witnesses can have ulterior motives. And we don't know whether there's an ulterior motive here. Could be, could not be. So here's what it comes down to. You got a woman making claims from 35 years ago. She's got no corroborating evidence. She's shaky on the details, as would be expected, and it's not a dig against her. Does this mean that Kavanaugh is, is guilty and we should just believe her accusations? Well, no. It doesn't. We also have Kavanaugh and Judge who say this didn't happen, right? So he's, and, and Kavanaugh says it didn't happen. He's got one we'll call him an unreliable witness in Mark Judge, who says, uh, yeah, it didn't happen. Lots of people who knew him say couldn't have happened. 
But his yearbook does indicate he kind of did drink and party. So does this mean that Kavanaugh is innocent and she should be attacked for making the whole thing up for political reasons? No. Doesn't mean that either. So what's the proper conclusion that we can draw from this? Did it happen like she said? What happened? And the proper conclusion is, you don't know. Did it happen like she said? You don't know. Is it a complete fabrication? You don't know. You will never know. Unless videos or photos or something come out from the time, you will never know. None of you will know, unless you're one of these three people. right? Only Kavanaugh, Judge, and Ford will ever know what happened in that room on that night. And they might not even really know. right? As I mentioned, there may be kind of this third option where... Maybe they're all a little bit drunk or we're drinking. Maybe she doesn't remember well because she was drunk. and Maybe she made out with him unconsciously and it went too far and she invented a narrative to kind of justify something that happened. Maybe he did actually rape her. Maybe she remembers perfectly and she wasn't drinking, but Kavanaugh and Judge were so bombed out of their mind, they're never going to remember. So even if you were in the room, you may not know what happened. So the just moral stance on an issue like this is not always the most satisfying stance. I know it's very it feels good to be able to say she's a liar or he's a liar and a rapist. But you know, we can't always get that most satisfying answer. Sometimes the right answer is we can't know. It's frustrating, but it's honest. And we need to be honest. Anyone who's honest about this will say I don't know. We can't know. I don't know, and neither can you. Now, now that we've decided we don't know, if you're going to be honest, I mean, I guess you can be dishonest and just claim that you know, but you don't. You're lying to yourself and everyone else. So, we don't know. None of us know. So now we have to make a decision. For a case like this, what kind of society do we want to have in situations where we don't know? Because not knowing happens a lot more than we'd like it to. It happens quite often. So there's basically two different ways we can go here, right? We can have a society in which you are guilty until presumed innocent, right? She's a witch. You know, prove, prove you're not a witch. My wife and I just watched uh, Yangshi Palace, which is a Chinese drama about uh, the, uh, the Qing dynasty, and one thing that struck me was that accusations were basically taken to be truth. And as a result, there was a lot of, I mean, I don't know if this was true, but it was portrayed this way in the show, you know, there was a lot of accusations flying around. Whenever you wanted to do someone damage, you would accuse them of something, right? And so the result with this guilty until presumed innocent situation is chaos, right? If you've got that kind of a situation, then baseless accusations can be made whenever and wherever, for whatever reason, against whomever you want. You punish people based on accusation alone, right? So what happens? Well, innocent people suffer. And the other thing that happens is you end up with a society that incentivizes liars, right? Anyone willing, you know, the people willing to tell the biggest whoppers, right, the most impactful lies, they get the most because, you know, they're bold enough to make up the biggest stuff, right, that will benefit them, and if accusations are, if accusations are, uh, are guilt, then, then that's the kind of society you get, 
and it's a mess. Aside from being wrong, it's just a mess. It creates a mess. So the other way you can go is you can have a society in which people are innocent until proven guilty. Now, that's what the United States has chosen. It hasn't worked perfectly, but it's better than the Salem witch hunt uh, days. And we do this because it's more civilized this way. Now, the result of a society in where you're innocent and proved, till proven guilty, that means that sometimes we don't punish people who are actually guilty because we don't really know that they're guilty. You know, it, it also, you know, <laughs> we also rarely punish people who are innocent, though. That's the other thing we get out of it. sometimes, but rarely. We avoid punishing innocent people with this kind of a system. And that means sometimes innocent people are hurt by guilty people who get away with it. That, that does happen. Right? But it's the only option we have if we want to live in any kind of a sane society. Because the other option, you know, guilty until proven innocent, is, is completely unworkable and unjust. And you end up with mostly innocent people being, uh, being found guilty and punished. So... The only thing we can do, if we're going to be in this society where you're innocent until proven guilty, and you know, it's shocking that people have to be reminded that that's the society we live in, and why. But if you're going to be in that society, the only thing that we can do in situations like this, and it's disappointing, but the only thing we can do is nothing. We can't do anything. Accusations without real corroborating evidence must be dismissed out of hand, especially accusations that could be politically motivated at a time like this, right? It doesn't mean that she's lying or politically motivated. So you shouldn't go attack Ford claiming that she's a lying wench, right? You don't know. So don't attack her. You don't know. She might be telling the truth. You just don't know. But you've got to dismiss her accusations out of hand. You got to dismiss them out of hand. So it means that we can't act as if these accusations are true. All we can do is dismiss them as arbitrary and assume that Kavanaugh's innocent and move the vote forward as scheduled. That's all we can do. It strikes me, you know, in closing, it strikes me as a little bit paradoxical that so many of these senators, they get to vote on who gets appointed to the Supreme Court, who gets to be in the highest court of the country, and yet these very people who are, who are voting on this position don't seem to understand the concept of innocent until proven guilty. Now, that should scare you. These, these senators don't seem to understand that accusations are just that, and they need to be dismissed out of hand if there's no corroborating evidence, and that you are innocent until proven guilty. They just, they seem to not understand it, and it's pretty scary. Unless, of course, uh, I guess those accusations, you know, if they're made against Keith Ellison, they understand it, or Al Franken, or Bill Clinton. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. As always, please go visit 751.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-F-I-F-T-Y-O-N-E.com. Like, subscribe, share this and support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash unsafe space. 
And you can also go to 751.com and, and support the show with cryptocurrency, sign up for um, updates, follow us on Twitter, all that kind of fun stuff. Talk to you again soon.